Hello, Save Them family. Landon here. Welcome to this episode of the Save Them podcast. Thank you for those of you who uh, decided to stick with us after uh, last time, last podcast, tongue thrashing. <laughs> Yo, let me tell you. Um, unfortunately, things have not gotten a lot better. Um, I have to. I do want to share a little bit of a story with you about a systemic failure to do anything to help. You know, it's I um I'm baffled at times at how how well uh folks can work to do nothing. Uh, it's just it's stunning. It absolutely stunning to me. And uh so let me just share a little bit of a story. Um we were we were out in the field at one point and uh, it started out as a good day. Uh, we were able to meet with some people, share some testimonies, and uh, do a little bit of education on what happens in human trafficking so that people would be aware of it. And shortly thereafter, uh, we got the call that some some folks that we had been trying to help get relocated um, after a rescue uh, had finally been moved. Now, granted, we had been working for weeks to get these guys moved, okay? Well, finally, the day has come. These guys are getting moved, and they travel all the way across the country. We meet them there so that we can just give them some some toiletries, maybe a little bit of food, a little bit of moral support, you know, just, um, you know, maybe even have the opportunity to share the gospel, just let them know that you know they're they're loved, and uh, regardless of what happens, that there uh, there are folks out there that care about them and will pray for them. Well, as I mentioned in our last podcast, the problem with a lot of this is that these are men, and um, in the words of a a pastor that I talked to today. Uh, it's going to take some convincing to help him understand why he should help men. Because men are able to take care of themselves. Men should just get a job. Where, where's, the, where's the humanitarian requirement to assist men? So this is really was a great, great statement because it really summed up, I think, the really the entire societal view on any tragedy or, or trauma or anything that happens to any, you know, any male, male who is of warfighting age, right? Um, it's almost as though our society has turned our backs on these guys because... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter that they were kidnapped and shoved down a hole and told to, you know, work until they're they're dead. That doesn't seem to matter because as long as it's the wrong type of victim, then uh, we we don't need to worry about helping them because they should have just gotten a job. Yeah. Well, anyways, so we show up to to rendezvous with these guys just to 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 not be that message, but to be a message of hope and uh, that you know we're there for them and then they can get back up on their feet and get back to their, their homes after having been trafficked. 
you know, these are the guys who are going to shape society. These are the guys who are going to be husbands and fathers, and they're going to lead society into the future. So uh, let's not turn our backs on them quite yet. You know what I mean? So anyways, we show up. These guys are sitting at the the facility and we're greeted with the message that nobody knows anything about anything. Hmm. Okay. Well, all right, fine. I mean, par for the course in South Africa, things just don't work. When I say South Africa, I could say USA. I could say anywhere. The amount of incompetence, apathy, and bureaucratic nonsense and politics that goes into pretty much anything to do with government affairs across the the world has just crippled societies, you know, and that's, we see that all the time. So when those who really need help need it the most, bureaucracy is their worst enemy. So we, uh, we start, you know, making emergency phone calls and you know, the guys at the facility are saying, no, man, we're, we're not taking these guys. Um, we don't have approval from the state. Okay. So we start making phone calls because the transfer from one province to another province was supposed to happen already two weeks ago. So it, sh- it should just be a matter of let's chalk it up to miscommunication. And let's just make sure that the emails get through and the facility has what they need to let these guys in and, and get them fed and bedded down for the night while their their lives hopefully get reshaped into something that uh, can resemble a worthwhile existence uh, apart from the trauma that they've already been through. So we start making these phone calls. It's a bit of a sticky situation because in the place we were is, is quite remote. And so... The only way to get a, a single bar of cell signal was to walk up the mountain uh, to the top, make a phone call, and then you have to walk back down the mountain. It's not really a mountain. It's a hill. But, you know, hey, if you ever saw that Hugh Grant movie, the guy that went up a hill and came down a mountain or whatever, that was a really good movie. You should go watch that. Um, but And then you can picture me on my cell phone at the top of the hill <laughs> feeling like a mountain after you've walked up for the 50th time. So I'm up there, I'm getting bit on my legs by all the bugs around and uh, peeking into what is a very creepy, um, it looks like a a bunny breeding farm. It was very creepy. Uh, (laughs) But I I guess that's the latest thing uh, in the health circles is people are eating rabbit uh, because it's so lean and stuff. So, okay, it's uh, Spain's influence on the world. Okay, I got that. So I'm making phone calls, our team making phone calls. We walk up the hill, down the hill, up the hill, down the hill. We're liaising with uh, the different authorities, trying to make sure everything's sorted. Meanwhile, we got some drivers who drew, drove overnight. They've driven a long way. They're just sitting around, hanging out, trying to do the best that they can. Um, but they're also going to have to turn and scoot before too long because they got to get back to their hometown, which is like five hours away, right? So they, they've got a bit of a drive ahead of them and it's going to be dark and it's going to be dangerous. So we don't want to keep them there all day either. Then the battle begins to rage. 
and it's one group of authorities against a different group of authorities, and then it's a different department in the government fighting against this department of the government, and nobody will take responsibility for anything, and everybody throws their hands up in the air, and they just say, oh, well, we don't know. Now, keep in mind, we've got multiple trafficking victims here. Here's the deal. One soul should matter. One. One vulnerable, hurt, traumatized person should be enough impetus for the entire system of those who can to rally and come to the aid of that individual. Honestly. And yet we find ourselves in a situation where we have multiples of victims, tens of them, and nobody can be bothered because those who can help won't. I guess they view the victims as commodities, just animals, someone to be discarded, a bit of trouble in their peaceful wor- world of do-nothingness. So, after many hours of fighting fights and talking to lots of people, we start to give up on the government and all of the authorities. And we start calling around to churches. We try to find out if there are any churches in the immediate area who could offer these guys a place to lay their heads for the night, get a meal, shower, and just wait out the storm so that we can help push the machinations of government forward and, and get all the paperwork done and massage the bureaucracy so that, that these guys can move forward and be able to ultimately testify against their perpetrators and break down these criminal networks which are destroying lives to the tunes of hundreds and thousands of people. So what happens now? Well, I'm pretty sure you can guess. Every single church and church organization, call it parachurch organization that we talk to, says, nope, not going to help. Why don't you call the police? Every single organization that was masquerading as the body of Christ told us to turn to the state and the police to take care of these vulnerable people who were desperate for help, who had been treated like the scum of the earth and had just been rescued from hell on earth. Well, that was pretty disappointing, to say the least. So... What little hair was left on the team of ours got ripped out, and we're now really scrambling to figure out what happens now. So the long walk back down the hill as uh, the last church abandons us and those that we're trying to help. The state has abandoned us and those that we're trying to help. So we go back and I look and there, sure enough, 
the transport vehicle that had brought these guys to the facility is full because all of the guys had climbed back in the vehicle and asked the drivers if they wouldn't mind just dropping them off somewhere else, anywhere else, but here, in a place where those who should help go out of the way to do nothing. I've never felt so helpless in my entire life. You know, when I, when I looked in the eyes of those boys, those wide eyes of hurt and trauma and helplessness, but with hope that maybe these guys would, would be able to, to solve the riddle and get them home. And then we didn't. We, the collective we, failed these boys. And as the vehicle pulled off the property and drove into the distance in a dust cloud as the sun was setting, I turned around and had one last chat to the manager of the facility. And he shakes my hand. He says, I'm so sorry that we couldn't help you. We really did want to help you. Now, this being the facility that didn't even bother to give these boys a bite of bread the entire day we were there. We had to go to the store spending hundreds to, to just get basic food, Coke, some tinned fish, some bread, some apples, just things that these guys could chow on. Because the moment we arrived earlier in the day, they had said to us, Sir, may we please have some food? It's been over a day since we've eaten. We're quite hungry. These are the same boys that we had spent six weeks feeding, some of them up to six weeks, some of them up to about a week and a half to two weeks, because the state couldn't be bothered to give these boys food. So I went ahead and shook the man's hand, kind of biting my tongue. And he looks at me with a straight face. And, you know, hey, look, he's just a pawn in the game, all right? So I'm not going to put too much burden on this old man who's just following the rules, following the protocols of authority. But uh, he says, I'm so sorry. I wish we could have helped you. I really did. And then he looks at me and he says, and he puts his arms out to the side and he says, because as you can see, our facilities, they are empty. Yo, I nearly lost it right then and there. So these wandering souls, these, these desperate individuals who had nowhere to go were turned away from an empty facility and told that nobody finds worth in their existence and that the government would rather have an empty facility than to help these guys out to get on their feet and to make something of themselves, having gone through hell and back. And I said, yeah, man, I know. I know. I know. So we hop in our vehicle and... Um, 
we head out. And as we start to leave, we see that the police have begun dropping these guys off in town. And it's apparent that they're going to drop the rest of them off in downtown Johannesburg. Um, yeah, imagine you're a lone individual. Actually, you're traveling in a pack of wounded animals, since that's all society sees you as. And you're getting dropped off in the lion's den. Nothing to fend off your attackers. No ability to radio for help. Dropped off by those who claim to have the mandates for care and the hearts for mercy and and you're just left. I say to you, church, how dare we qualify those whom the Lord sets before us? How dare we qualify whom we will help when the Lord sets them before us? How dare we be priests and Pharisees when the Lord told us that it was the Samaritan, the outcast, who had the heart of God. I'm sorry, I'm just a little bit disgusted with the whole thing. <laughs> and in 10 years of doing all this, that was the worst day of my life in this work. And that's, that's saying a lot, given the horrific things that we've come across. But you know what? It's, it's kind of like one of our uh, survivors. She, she, she kind of likes to say, you know, it's all good and well to go after the bad guys, but they're kind of obvious. The guys you need to really worry about are the guys that profess to say that they're Christian, but they're not. And you know who else said that? Jesus. And in the end of days... That is who he'll be about, sifting the goats from the sheep. I do pray that we're not those who knock on the door and he says, I never knew you. <sighs> I don't know. I... I... I <sighs> I don't know. Will you please pray for these boys? Please. Um, I'm sure the Lord will watch after them. You know, half of those boys had crosses on them, either in necklaces or uh, even some of them had uh, these cross earrings on it was hilarious and you know I even had the audacity to tell them early on in that day that it's okay we're Christian we're, we're here to help you 
But you know what? You know what's so amazing is when they left. Now keep in mind, these are starving boys, right? And and we had given them a little bit of food and coke, which they devoured. There wasn't a scrap left, not a drop left. As they were piled into their little van to be taken off the property and dropped off into the unknowns, they extended the right hand of fellowship to me and my buddy that we were, we were there. And every single one of them shook our hands. They looked us in the eyes and they said, thank you. And they didn't say it in our language. They didn't say it in English. They said it in their language, in their mother tongue, which means they were genuine. They who needed us the most were genuine. While we who could have done the most were false and fake. Well, may the Lord guide their steps, keep his eyes on them, and keep them safe. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This is Landon, and I'm out. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Save Them podcast. As always, you can find us at savethem.org. See you next time. Thank you, and donkey.